And good evening all. Let's uh, let's start with this. Let's watch. Let's watch something. Moore? Colonel Moore's wife? Yes. I need help finding an address. I'm looking for... I don't like this job, ma'am. I'm just trying to do it. The army wasn't ready. I'll go with you. Who's it for? Mm-mm. <laughs> 
hate me. Your husband didn't start the war. They all knew this could happen. I'll take care of this. I'll go with you. We'll do one at a time. Okay? We won't look. It's a true story. The women in the story were losing their husbands in America's first action in the Vietnam War. The, the army wasn't expecting the resistance that they faced in Vietnam, and they were certainly not prepared to deal with the pastoral care of walking with families who had lost loved ones. And so a small group of women took it upon themselves to step in the gap and love those who were hurting and walk with those who had suddenly them found themselves uh, on a dark path. And we need people like that because this world is often dark and miserable and there is pain and suffering all around us. We are eating the fruit of the fall the consequences of Adam and Eve's rebellion. The same rebellion that every generation and every culture has taken up since. But we can take hope because God has not left us alone. He has left us his spirit, who we know is the comforter. And he has left us his church. His church is an organism the Apostle Paul calls in 1 Corinthians 12, the body of Christ. And how Paul goes on to uh, describe this uh, is essentially Jesus with skin on. God wants us to be his hands and feet on this planet 
So if someone needs a hug from God, then our role as his body is to go and give them that hug. Which is exactly what one of our elders, Paul Costello, described this morning. Paul told the story of the time he was hurting because his wife Anne had had just miscarried. And so Jesus gave him a big hug. Except Jesus looked strangely like Paul's friend Andy. That's the way it's supposed to work. God loves through the agency of people. Sometimes he does it directly. God, we know, can just beam things down from heaven if he needs to. He can do it himself. He can make his presence known tangibly among us. He can do that, but I've found more often than not, he chooses to work through people. And in that, not just the receiver is blessed, but also the giver as God works through them. Tonight, I want to talk about what it means to be those kinds of people, what it really means to walk together. Over the course of my pastoral ministry these last 12 years, I have found that too many of us walk alone because we don't want or we don't allow anyone to journey with us. Sometimes we choose to walk alone because we can't overcome our pride. Sometimes we make excuses for others in a a misguided attempt to protect them and save them from the hassle of our issues completely missing the fact that it is God's sovereign plan that we walk together and carry each other's burdens. And so it was with Naomi in the Bible. We're going to have a quick look at this story in the book of Ruth. So if you have the word with you, please turn with me. Ruth chapter 1. Give you a minute to find it. There'll be a contents page at the front. If, uh, not quite sure. There it is. We don't often preach out of Ruth. It's good you should read it. It's short. Probably more of a chick flick. Um, other stories you could read. But there's good stuff on it for... Ruth chapter 1 In the days when the judges ruled There was a famine in the land So a man from Bethlehem and Judah Together with his wife and his two sons Went to live for a while In the country of Moab The man's name was Elimelech His wife's name was Naomi And the names of his two sons were Marlon and Kilion They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab, and they lived there. Now, Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about ten years, both Marlon and Kilion also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When Naomi heard uh, in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. 
With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye and they wept aloud. And they said to her, we will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons? Who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband, even if I thought there was still hope for me. Even if, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters, it is better it is bitter for me than for you, because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At that they wept aloud, and then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. And when Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So Naomi has lost her husband, her two sons. She's living as an alien in a foreign land with no means to support herself, no protection. And Ruth has lost her husband and with him her provision, her protection, not to mention her companion. Both Naomi and Ruth were in pain. Both women were in need. Naomi was planning on going it alone and sending her daughters-in-law off to return to their old lives and start again in their old lives. But Ruth's response to that is so profound. She would go with Naomi. She would stay where she stayed. Her people would become her people. Naomi's God would be her God. Ruth had found a whole new life in the household of her husband and her father-in-law. She had found a new culture with them. She had found a new faith. She had found a new family. And she chose not to give these up just because she had lost her husband. She may have adopted his faith to marry him, but it had become hers, and she was not going to leave it now. This story is so full, so rich of symbolism. The names, for example, are of real significance. Naomi's husband, Eli Malek, a name the scholars interpret in this context as kingship is due to me. This man fled the promised land with his family to find sustenance. He didn't wait to see what God would do. He didn't trust in the Lord. He took his own sovereignty. He left to find his own path and provide for himself. He took his own life in his own hands. And he took his family to find sustenance in Moab, a pagan land of moral corruption 
born out of incest. And there he dies. And so do his sons, Marlon and Kilion, whose names mean sickness and failing. After suffering this huge loss, Naomi, which means God's beautiful grace, remembers his beautiful grace and chooses to return to her homeland, Judah, which means worship or praise. She returns to follow her God. And she turns back to Israel, which for us today symbolizes the church. And then Ruth, which means friendship, journeys with her to find Boaz, which means redeemer. And he becomes her redeemer. And through them, the great redeemer will one day be born. And who could have foreseen what the result of her choice would produce? For Ruth of Moab would become the great-grandmother of King David and the ancestor of Jesus himself. There are only five mothers listed in the whakapapa of Jesus in Matthew chapter 1. whole long list of, uh, of fathers, begets, goes the whole list down. There's, there's five women there. And Ruth of Moab is one of those. Ruth's decision to walk with Naomi brought her comfort and companionship. It ended up with provision, a new husband, children, and ultimately a legacy that would save the world. Naomi couldn't see a future for Orpah and Ruth back in Israel. And she had what she thought was their best interests in mind when she sent them off. But Ruth, Ruth could see what really mattered. And Ruth couldn't see a husband at the end of the journey. She couldn't see children at the end of the journey. She certainly couldn't see that she would be the ancestor of the Messiah. That's not what she saw. What she saw was a relationship. She had nothing to go back to with, with her family. She certainly wouldn't go back to her old way of life. But what she had right there was a deep, sincere, loving relationship with someone who knew her and had cared for her. She knew that relationship is what really counts. She loved Naomi, and she bound herself to stay with her no matter what, even if it meant sacrificing any hope for a family. She put the needs of Naomi before her own, and as a result of that, she received the most amazing blessing. But that started with putting someone else first. Just as it says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 to 4. And you can trust God with this. We can trust God with this. He sees what we do for others. I'm not suggesting that we should live our lives to earn reward. That is not a way to live. But when we live in love and sacrifice for others, God sees that. And he has a very good memory. He doesn't forget anything, and he doesn't forget this. And he is faithful to reward us. He likes to reward us and bless us for how we have lived for others. And love is a sacrifice. Love costs us. It certainly costs Jesus. It cost him his life. 
and it does cost us too. And if you're not prepared to give, if you're not prepared to sacrifice, then you are not prepared to love. We're only three months into this year, but already I have learned so much about what it means to walk with people through tragedy. And I have been on both sides of the suffering. Two months ago, you, you may be aware, my best friend died of brain cancer, a guy my age. It was a huge loss for me, but nothing compared to the loss for his wife, for his children, for his mum. What does it mean to walk together in a way that is substantive and meaningful and not just lip service? And then two weeks ago, my wife, Leslie, miscarries, and we lost our baby. I know for some of you that you might not have known that, but I know for a lot of you, you are aware of that because Leslie and I uh, put this on our Facebook page uh, last week. And that was a move that some of our family and friends found unusual because uh, a miscarriage is usually quite a private thing that you don't really tell people uh, about. In fact, it is common practice for most people that I know who have children uh, or are pregnant not to even tell people they are pregnant uh, until you're 12 weeks in, until you get into the, uh, the second trimester where uh, the viability of the little baby is you know, greatly increased. It's a, a safer zone. So you'd, you wouldn't tell people you're pregnant until you're into the safe zone. That, if you weren't aware, is common practice so that you don't have to deal with you know, having to work through all the miscarriage conversations. But uh, I don't know. We were just so excited when Leslie fell pregnant, we didn't want to hide it. And we talked about it, and we decided, you know what? Even if, even if God forbid, we, we, we weren't ever to have this baby, we still want our family tonight. So we've been pretty stoked about that. We decided to post our tragic news on Facebook for two reasons. Firstly, because so many people did know that we were pregnant, we honestly didn't really want to deal with a whole lot of really awkward questions because people would just come up to you as they do all the time and ask, oh, how's the pregnancy going? Do you know if it's a boy or a girl yet? Have you had a scan? What names are you thinking of? It gets really awkward and you say, my baby's dead. It's hard for the conversation to go anywhere at that point. So um, putting it on Facebook meant that we could, you know, in the flesh, we could just avoid a lot of those conversations. But there was another reason and something that I've been thinking about even before this came up, and that is this, and this is the reason why we, sh uh, we, we were so happy to share the pregnancy with people, and that is if we were going to go through this, and we are going through this, we can't do it alone. We need our family to know what we're going through. We need our friends to know what we're going through. We need our church, who are our friends, are our family, to know what we're going through so that our friends, our family, our church can love us and walk through this with, uh, this with us because we need you. Otherwise, we would be doing this alone, as I know a lot of couples do. And doing it on your own is not a sign of strength. 
It's not strong. It's a lie. But it is a sign of independence. And independence is the Kiwi way. But it's not the kingdom way. Mm-mm. The kingdom way is interdependence. Walking together. We need to break that in the spirit over our country. Independence helped get this nation started. But it's no good for us anymore. We need each other. Independence and going it alone is what led Eli Malek to take his family into Moab and into death. Hard times should draw us closer to God and to his people, not drive us away. And so we shared our pain with our friends, our family, our church, and we have received so much love and support over the last few weeks. It's been amazing. It's been painful. It's been hard. But I can't imagine what it would be like right now if we didn't have so many loving people around us. Walking together starts with talking together. Because how can you walk with someone if you don't know what they are walking through? One thing that has blown Leslie and I away over the last couple of weeks, when people have um, seen the the Facebook post or or, or heard that um, we lost the baby, is just how many people have come forward and said, you know what, me too, me too. Three months ago, six months ago, a few years ago, just so many people. It's just mind-boggling just how common um, miscarriages but I just couldn't believe how many people who I thought were you know, important people in my life, people I really cared about and we had, I thought, a close relationship, had gone through a miscarriage, and I had no idea. None at all. I was like, wow, the things that you were carrying through that season, and I had no idea. Man. I don't know. I wish I, wish I could have known. I couldn't fix anything. I couldn't do anything to make it better. I don't know, but I wish I'd known so that I could pray, so that I could make myself available to support you in any way, as and when you needed. But even just having grace for people, you know? You know, people, some people, you know, you encounter them, and I don't know, they're just... Dicks. <laughs> this, this, people get this with me all the time. What is up with Clay? What is up with him today? And you know what? You have no idea what's up with me today. We have no idea what is up with people. Maybe someone just lost a baby. Maybe someone just lost a job. Maybe anything could have happened. But I I think we should be more graceful people, more gracious in general. We should carry more grace. But it's a little easier when you know the burden someone's carrying. Man. So I think, man, was I harsh with someone? And they're going through a huge trial and I didn't know and I was just an egg about it. Anyway. And, and amongst all this, Leslie and I have found incredible support and empathy, particularly from people who we now know have been where we are now. But the, the, re- the reality is there are a lot of reasons why we don't share what we're going through. And certainly we can't have an expectation that everyone we know is going to share every bad or good thing that's happening in their lives. That, that's not something that I'm saying at all. But we do need to be vulnerable and transparent and sharing with some people. We must have people around us who we are prepared to let in. But I think, I think it's good to recognize some of the reasons why we don't. Things that we could try to see in ourselves and try to cut off. 
Sometimes it is a shame issue. This breaks my heart, just talking to women as I've become aware of this, about this whole deal with miscarriage and the shame that a woman can carry on this, even though it has absolutely nothing to do with her. It just happens. And the doctors don't even know why most of the time. But the shame and the, and the guilt. And so you don't want to talk about that. You don't want to share that with people. There's pride. This, 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 isn't, this isn't a talk about miscarriage. This is a talk about carrying things and, and not sharing it with people. There's all kinds of things we can carry. Sometimes it's sin and our pride stops us wanting to share that with someone else could be any number of things. Sometimes it is just the sense that we don't want to burden other people with our stuff, with our grief, with our issues. We don't want to dump it on them. You know what? That's, that's an honorable thing. That's lovely. Except that that flies in the face of that is exactly what God wants us to do because that's his pastoral care plan for the planet. He gave us his spirit. He filled his people with his spirit. And he said, right, Go love the world. Go love each other. And if you love each other, then the world will know that you're my disciples. That's the plan, us loving each other, loving those around us. So when we, when we, when we don't let people love us, we, we shut the plan down. And now God's like, now what do you want me to do? That was the plan. That's the only plan. walking together, loving each other. It is the purpose of the church. It is the job description of a Christian. So we need to do it, but we also need to let others do it. So what does it actually look like? What does it look like to, to really love others and care for them as they are journeying through tough stuff? Well, of course, it's going to look different for everyone, for different people, for different circumstances. Our needs, what we need is going to look very different. Leslie and I, for example, don't need everyone to give us a long, deep hug with the knowing nods every time you see us. You know, I'm, I'm fairly touchy-feely, but, you know, what's your limits? Uh... We really don't need countless emo conversations all the time about uh, miscarriage every day. You can imagine that's not something that we want to talk about all the time. Okay? We can talk about the black caps. All right? There's a lot to talk about there. That's actually, that's emo as well. We won't talk, we won't talk about them. But, you know, there, there are other things that we, that we can talk about. We don't need you to try and explain. Here's a good one. This goes across the board. We don't need you to try to explain to us what God is doing in this situation. First of all, because you have no idea what God is doing in this situation, or pretty much anything else, unless you have a strong gift of prophecy on your life and God is specifically speaking through you. So um, please don't try to explain to me, or anyone else who was in a hard time, what God is probably doing here. Don't quote Romans 8. Don't you dare quote Romans 8. That doesn't fix anything. I know the scriptures have preached Romans 8, but knowing God has a plan and it's going to work out for my best in there, um, and all things work out for me, you know. That doesn't help me right now. Might, maybe it helps you, because, and I'm the same, I want to do something. I want magic words that I can just, I could just 
throw this verse over it because you know the word of God is so full of power. I just throw this verse over it and suddenly, oh, I feel so much better. Pretty much telling people Romans 8. Was it Romans 8, 28? Telling people that doesn't help a thing at all. No, it's trite. So don't think you're doing God's work with that. My suggestion just in in general, and I'm I'm, I'm not uh, a trained counsellor. I've done three papers and that qualifies me to know that I'm not a counsellor. But the, the general counsel I'd give you is don't try to talk people through anything. Uh, people need you, sometimes your presence, but certainly just, just love and, and prayer. Don't look for those words. You're just going to be awkward and, and yeah. So actually, <laughs> grace to anyone who has shared Romans 8 with me in the last two weeks. This is not about you. This is just a general powerful scripture. I love it. Uh, you don't need to hide your babies uh, from us. Um, I'm very happy that you have a baby and that it's healthy and happy. I love your children. Uh, you don't have to hide them. It's all good. Uh, in fact, in fact, um, seeing my, uh, my own two little girls, just having them around the house, I don't want to leave home. Um, I just want to sit there with my little girls all day. It just, um, I'm so filled with life and hope when I see them. So yeah, it's good. Um, more than anything, we've appreciated knowing people are praying for us. We've appreciated the solidarity from those who can empathise from their similar struggles, and we've uh, appreciated gestures of love and support, most of which we haven't needed uh, to call on. But just knowing that people are there for us, and if and when we need them, has been a real blessing. And we really appreciated the, the kissing that, that Chris and Sandra Logan gave us. They gave us a kissing. That's pretty. It's pretty cool. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. Give someone a cat. <laughs> we could start up a cat breeding ministry just to hand them out. Yeah, yeah. There weren't any dogs available, so I had to take, I had to take a cat. But it's all good. We love that little thing. We've learned a lot um, walking with um, our, our friend Angela as well um, over the last couple of months. Actually, not just a couple of months. Kent's been sick for years, but it's only been two months since he died, and so obviously it's really, really raw for for Ange right now. And what we did is we talked with Angela about what she would like, what she really wanted. So we didn't impose ourselves upon her, we didn't assume anything. We thought, you know what, we have no idea what Angela's feeling right now, none at all. We don't know really what she needs. So... She knows that we, we love her. She knows we love Kent. She knows we love the kids. Let's just make sure she knows that whatever she needs, we're going to do that and make a, a, a commitment to her. So we did that. We thought we'll just leave it with her and see what, what she comes back with, if anything. you know. And it turns out all Ange wants is for us to take the kids around once a week, have a play date. That's awesome. We do that. We, we take the girls around and... Uh, they sit and play with uh, little Reuben. I don't know. Sometimes we go to the to the park. Sometimes we go to uh, a play centre or something. Sometimes the beach. But she just wants our families to kind of just grow together. And we, we talk, we eat, we have lunch or morning tea, something like that. But sometimes, sometimes she talks about Kent. Mostly she just talks about life and mum stuff. Mostly she needs to feel normal. 
and she needs some part of it, her life to be normal. Um, I don't know why hanging out with McGregor's is going to help with that. But, um, but you know what? We can do that. She doesn't need me to try to counsel her or, I don't know, pray it out of her because that's, that's not it's going to work. She needs friends. And so she told us what she needed, and so that's what we're going to do. We're not doing anything else, and we pray for them every night. Um, and what we've heard back from her is that's it, that's perfect, that's what she needs. And the learning for, for me for this has been that we just need to talk to people, give them space, talk, and let them tell us how we can, how we can be involved. And I've appreciated the people um, who have done that with us, just made an offer and then let us kind of do what we need to do. That's been, that's been great. So this has been a huge learning curve for me, that's for sure. And I'm sure it will be as, as the time goes on. So yeah, so that's what we do. That, that's a weekly commitment for us, but that's, that, that's, that's not a problem. But uh, Leslie and I couldn't do that for everyone. The McGregor's can't you know, do play dates with everyone or any other stuff that we do. And neither could the Sinners or the Byers or the English family or any of the families here. We couldn't, each family couldn't do it for everyone. It just doesn't work that way. But that's okay because there are lots of families here. We just all need to do something. So the question for us tonight is, who are we walking with? Who are we walking with? You're kidding yourself if you think that the people in your life aren't going through stuff. Because we're all going through stuff. Who are we sharing our stuff with? Who around us knows what we're really going through, what our struggles are? Who are you walking with and who is walking with you? Walking together is not a program. It's not a ministry you sign up for. It's a way of life. And it is our purpose here. It is our purpose as a church, as the rock, and it's the purpose of a child of God. It's what it means to follow Him. And the journey isn't always tragic. I know tonight has been really emo. You've got to forgive me. Obviously, I'm in a way emo place right now. I'll probably dye my hair tonight. It's probably gonna. It's probably gonna happen. So I'm. So yeah, I know it's been all you know, miscarriage and stuff. But yeah, I thought I was gonna cry tonight. Sorry, I didn't. You know, shed a tear or but I. But this this stuff isn't all tragic. It's not all doom and gloom because people's journeys aren't always miserable. Actually, for the most part, my life is freaking awesome. I love my life and I see God's blessing all the time. It sucks right now. But even, even amongst that, I am seeing the most incredible blessings from God. So my life is certainly not all doom and gloom. So walking together is not just about the bad stuff. Walking together is all the stuff. It's walk, walk, walking through the celebrations and the parties and the blessings and the good things as well. If you win lotto this weekend, I want to walk with you. I will do that. Great wealth is a burden. I will help you carry it. That's what I will do. All right? 
Uh, yeah. So, I think some of us have some stuff that we need to share. Just, just kidding. We, we have, we. I think a lot of us have some stuff that we need to share. So, what I want you to take away from tonight is that um, God's plan is that we do this together. Okay. I'm not talking about you know throwing all your dirty laundry up on the stage. <laughs> yeah. But it is sharing with, with someone, with, with people. Okay. So maybe it's some people in your life groups. Um, maybe it's a group of friends around you. But we're supposed to do this together. Some of us have stuff that we need to share. Uh, and the rest of us need to be carrying a, probably a bit more grace than we do and a bit more love so that we can be the people that others need. Uh, and oh, I'll confess now, I'm not the person that pretty much any of you need. I'm not, certainly not in my own strength. But the closer I am to him, the more of him, his presence and his love that is in me and on me, the more I become the person that you need. So yeah, in general, we just need to be a lot more like Jesus. But I guess that's the, the whole thing really, isn't it? So I want you to think about that too. Becoming the people that everyone else needs. And it's about more and more of him in us. What do you reckon? Cool. Let's pray. Lord, I just want to start to say this, Lord. As... Greg called us just to lift a shout of praise. I have so much to be thankful for. We certainly don't have anywhere near enough time to go through that. So thank you, Lord. And even amongst, you know, the, this last difficult two weeks, Lord, so much blessing is coming in as well. And I want to thank you for this church. And even though I know we have a long way to go, Lord, you have poured so much love into this place and I've experienced so much of it myself. So, Lord, I just want to pray for more, more of your love, more of you in this place, in us. And we pray this all the time, Lord, but we just want to be like you. So I pray you just continue just to prod us along and lead us along this journey. That you'd soften our hearts to receive more of you, more of your spirit. And you, you would mold us into your character. I pray, Lord, you'd build in us a greater love for each other the love that you have for us, that we would be for each other who we need to be, Jesus with skin on. And also pray, Lord, for a vulnerability right across the room now, a vulnerability, Lord, the same vulnerability, Lord, you carried in the Garden of Gethsemane where you were broken and burdened among your own friends, your disciples, Lord, that you would share your pain with them, Lord. I pray that we'd be able to carry that as well for each other. It would be to share our burdens so that you can love us through them. So I pray, Lord, you'd break down the pride in this place, the pride in our hearts. I pray for humility. I pray, Lord, for a loving, godly softness. Lord, all this accomplished, Lord, by your Spirit. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you. Thank you.